Well, it's lovely to see you all this morning. Nice to have you uh, with us. Um, as we were praying on Wednesday morning, I was, uh, I was led to Psalm 37. Uh, well, I say led, let's not be so spiritual as that. In truth, what happened was I was wandering around, kind of thinking, and I thought, there's something about a psalm that begins with a three. That says, this is how God talks to me. And I went, okay, well, that's not many of them, because I know there's only number three, and like, there's only 11, isn't there? So that's all right. So, so I, I flicked through them all, and Psalm 37 jumped out. I just thought I'd give you a bit of reality of when people say God spoke to me, that's all. That's what happened. Uh, I like to live in reality, which is one of the things I'm going to talk about, actually. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is as we, as we look and see around us, um, there seems to be in our nation growing levels of anger and bewilderment and shock and general eye-rolling of various things that are going on. Uh, and as the impact of the last two years comes to light, there's, there's clearly a mounting sense of anger and frustration. And I want to speak into that because... Uh, I think it's common to everybody, and although the reasons may be very different, and we all see it differently, and that's okay, there's no right or wrong way to see it, you see it as you see it, but there is a right or wrong way to react to it, and there is a right or wrong way to deal with what you feel about it, and that's really what I want to speak into, that unease, frustration, injustice, anger, uh, at some of the things, well, most of the things that we're seeing around us right now whether that be nationally, locally, just in our lives. Um, but then I also want to speak into this sense of, of seeing reality and, and facing up to it as well, because I think it's really key for where we're at right now. And I sense it in all sorts of ways that uh, many of us are struggling to come to terms with the reality of life as it is right now in all sorts of different ways. Um, and it's causing us to fight and battle, sometimes even lash out, because we don't seem to want to accept the reality as it is. But we've got to be brave enough to become conscious of the reality that we live in, whatever that means for us. And I don't just mean societally, I mean like individually as well. Because the truth is you can't actually deal with what's in front of you until you face the reality of it. So you can't move forward until you understand the problem and face the reality of the problem and see the problem as the actual problem. Because God is waiting for you to become conscious to the reality of life as it really is for you in this season. Uh, it's a bit like some of us uh, have been asleep even when we thought we were awake. And, uh, and many things in life, as on many Monday mornings, it'd be quite nice to just stay in bed and not get out from under the duvet. Um, and of course we don't want to become fully conscious to it because it's frightening to become conscious because then we see reality uh, maybe we don't want to become aware of the real because we've told ourselves a different story tried to create a fantasy, a narrative uh, that sounds good, makes ourselves feel better and of course we don't want to do that because when we see the real it, it can actually be quite painful and difficult to acknowledge the reality can be quite difficult but reality comes and reality is there whether we find ourselves in it or not. So the truth is, reality is right there. Whether you choose to live in a fantasy, reality is still there. And, of course, then we've got to find Jesus in the midst of it all. 
And Jesus' greatest desire is that we find him ourselves and rest in him in the actual reality of life as we find it. And in the midst of that reality, we would learn to lay our head on the pillow and rest, which we've been talking about for a long time. But Jesus is not found in fantasy. Jesus is not found in make-believe. Jesus is not found in the world you think it should be or the world you want it to be. Jesus is found in the here and now of life. It can only be found in the reality of the world as it is. And unfortunately, until you are willing to see your world in the reality there is, you won't be able to find him because he lives in reality. So until you're willing to see your world in the reality there it is, you won't be able to find him because he lives in reality. So whilst you're pretending that you're living in a different place than you really are, well, Jesus doesn't live in pretense. He doesn't live in fantasy. He lives in reality, as I'm going to show you later on. But I want to go to Psalm 37 uh, because it, it challenged me and encouraged me. The whole psalm is wonderful, uh, but I ended up just using two verses. Do not fret, uh, which is just a fantastic way of saying chill out, isn't it, really? I like that. Don't fret. Because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. It's very easy to fret and worry and allow anger and frustration to rise up when you see the wrongdoing of others or when you see other people mistreating other people. And that phrase, do not fret, I love it. It means to be hot, furious, burn, become angry, be kindled. And David here is saying, no, no, no. No, when you look at some things, let's not do that. Let's not do that. And the word evil here is really interesting to me. I'm not too sure it's helpful because of all the connotations we have with it. Uh, In the Hebrew, it's translated in all sorts of different ways. But one of the most helpful ways, I think, for us this morning is in Genesis 21.11. Uh, when uh, Sarah and Hagar and Abraham are having this conversation. And, and the word that is there translated evil in Psalm 37 in Genesis 21 is, is it says that it distressed Abraham. And I like this idea of it being distressing. Do not fret because of those who distress you. Do not fret because of those who distress you. Have there been some things that have distressed you lately? Have there been some things that you've read about or heard about or watched on the news that have been distressing? that have caused you to become angry and frustrated? Have you heard people tell of their experiences or your experiences with our healthcare system or your work environment or their work environment and it's caused you distress? When I hear of people spending 15 hours in A&E on their own, it distresses me. And it should distress us because that's just horrific in the 21st century. And I know there's all sorts of reasons, and we're not going to get into them, but, but actually when somebody spends 15 hours on their own in A&E, on a chair, it's just distressing. But here's the thing. I would understand if some of the decisions and policies of the current age are distressing, because they are distressing. But here's the thing. When you are distressed because of the wrongdoing that you may perceive... It's okay to be distressed. In fact, it probably means you're seeing something of the heart of God for his justice on the earth. But here's, here's the thing. The challenge is what you do with that distress and frustration and anger. What do we do with it? Because we'll all see it and feel it one way or another. Whatever the cause is, and the cause can be different for each of us, and that's fine. But that's, that's the issue. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to allow it to eat away at us? 
Are we going to share it with everyone around us who will then just catch our anger and our frustration and nothing will actually change? Or will we instead trust in the Lord and do good? The challenge, of course, is to work out what it means to do good. But as I said last week, this is nothing new. It's not new to us as a generation to work out what it means to do good. Every generation's worked out what it meant to do good. As I said before, 50, 60 years ago, did you stay at, did you stay at home or be a conscientious object or did you fight? Okay, well, you had to work it out. You had to make an individual choice as to what good men in the Bible. Massive choices that people made. So it's nothing new. Let's not think we've got it really, really tough because we're having to make these decisions. We, you know, a lot of the decisions we've made the last two years, they're not really life-altering. They don't involve going off to fight on a field in France and most likely die. We are a blessed people still, you realize. And we do have life fairly easy, you realize. But what does it mean to do good? What does it look like? But when we're working out what it means to do good, we've got to make sure we don't let the world tell us what good looks like. Because Jesus already said what good looks like, and good is to love, and to love is to lay down your life for one another. And of course, even that, you've got to interpret one way or another. And that's okay. But to do good is very clearly defined by Jesus. It's this. This is what it means to do good. It means to give up your life for somebody else. It doesn't mean you mouth off to a group of people who all think the same and all agree and you all pour petrol onto each other's fire and then think you've had a great time. That is not doing good for the kingdom of God. What it does mean is you find a way to actually give the anger and frustration, which is very real and very understandable, over to Jesus so that when you talk and share those here and it don't get the anger and the frustration, but they actually get the kingdom behind it. That's what should set you apart as a kingdom person is that you're not just giving the anger and the frustration. Anybody can do that and anybody does do that and is doing that. Okay, well, but we're not meant to share anger and frustration, but there is something of the kingdom heart that comes with it, not just the emotion. When you've managed to forgive those with whom you are distressed, when you're able to pray, pray mercy, forgiveness, and justice for those who have made distressing decisions, then you might be in a place to share something of the kingdom. But until you've done that, you're just sharing emotion. And the kingdom is not built on emotion. But here's the thing, you see, you've got, to, you've got to spend some time. If you're angry and upset, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? As Phil said, you're going to choose to forgive. Because until you've forgiven... Until you can able to pray good things and blessings. If you are not in a place where you can play good things on the decision makers who have caused these things, you've got a problem in your own heart that needs dealing with before you deal with the problem. Because this is what happens all the time. People get upset and then they try and deal with the problem, but all they do is bring all the anger and frustration in their heart into the problem and they just pour fuel into a fire and you just get people doing this and nothing changes. But what the kingdom needs is some people who are going to deal with their own hearts and then find what God wants and bring that in the spirit of God. That's when you can make a difference. Other, it's just noise. And sadly, there's a lot of Christians making a lot of noise right now. But the kingdom doesn't need noise. The kingdom needs the spirit of God that has dealt with the emotion, forgiven their enemies, learned to love them, and then can do something about it. And when the, king, when the church starts to see that, we'll actually see somebody make a difference. Until it'll just be a load of noise. 
Because otherwise, you just bring an emotional reaction to something. But listen, you can't work out what's really in your heart for the kingdom until you've dealt with the emotion of it. Until you've dealt with the frustration and the anger and the upset, you can't work out what's in your heart. And when you've dealt with the anger and the frustration, you'll be left with two things. You'll either go, oh, that's okay, I can carry on now. Or you'll still have a weight and a burden for something. Okay, well, at least now you know that you've got something of the kingdom on the inside of you that's burning for something. And out of that, you can operate and act. The interesting thing about when you're burdened in something by God is you feel strongly about it. And it often comes across as emotion, but if, you, if you're switched on and if you're able to see, you understand, okay, no, this is not emotion. This is a burden of the heart from the Father to see something changed. That's why it's important we learn to be people who live by the Spirit. Because if you live by the Spirit, then you're led by the Spirit, and it'll be a heart and spirit thing first. We are kingdom people, which means we move by the Spirit, not by our emotional reaction to what's going on. If we're moved by our emotional reaction, we're no different than anybody else. So you've got to deal with your emotional reaction, one way or another. Of course, as you move in the spirit, you feel more and more. This is the really interesting thing. So as you move in the spirit, you feel more and more. The more I've got in tune with Jesus, the more I'm in tune with how I feel. The more easily I cry, the more easily I laugh, the more easier I weep, the more easier I feel compassion as I get in tune with the spirit. But it's a spirit thing first, followed by the emotion, not the other way around. It's really important. We've got to discern more and more what's good on the side of you. And I've taught it for 15 years, so if you've been here, hopefully you've got a clue what to do now. But, but in reality, we've got to learn to deal what's on the inside of us. Take it to Jesus, whatever that means. However that works. And if you're not used to doing that, then find somebody, get with them, and who is, and ask them how to do it. And then don't be daft enough to go, right, I'm going to do it my own way. Just copy somebody else. That's all I've done my whole life. I've just copied other people who know what they're doing. Literally, I think that's all I've done. I've never reinvented a wheel. I've just found somebody who's got a really good one and copied theirs. It's not complicated. Of course, I might then, after I've made this nice wheel, made it a little bit my own. But I didn't reinvent it in the first place. Okay, so, Psalm 37. Don't fret. So if you want a word from a day, don't fret. Don't fret. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Okay, so it's really important that we dwell in the land we are in. Not in the land we would like to be in or in the land we used to live in. I sense that many of us are struggling to come to terms with the reality of our society and our lives and it's causing us to fight and battle and lash out. And it can be for all sorts of reasons. You know, as your home situation changes, you often find yourself in this strange place, whatever there is. If you've started a new family recently, there's all sorts of new challenges going on that you didn't know about. And it's hard work. And then as your kids go older, you, you don't see them anymore unless you call them down from the bedroom. And that's hard work. And then they disappear and you don't see them at all. And then they disappear off to university and then that's hard work. And then they leave home and that's hard work. And then they come back from leaving home and that's hard work. And then, <laughs> like, 
but, but it's just all hard work. It's just, that's life. And then you spend, you live on your own, and then you live with somebody, and then you live on your own, and then you've got loads of money, and you don't have any money, and then you're well, and then you're ill, and then you're looking after somebody, and then somebody's looking after you. It's just called life. Really, I mean, if you want the most spiritual thing, welcome to a thing called life. It's hard. That would encourage you, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think there's something later on. <laughs> no, but listen, here's the thing. Jesus lives in the, hard, in the hard reality of life. He lives in that reality. That's the truth. He's the most real person there is. He doesn't live in fantasy land. He doesn't live in Peppa Pig land. He doesn't live in how it used to be land or how I'd like it to be land. He lives in today, and today is the day of salvation. Listen, 2 Corinthians... 6-2, for God says, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. That word salvation, it means help. It means deliverance. It means whatever you need. It doesn't just mean coming to know Jesus or being saved, whatever that means. It just means what you need is available today. But you've got to live in today for him to be there because he's not in yesterday and he's not in tomorrow, although he is, but he's actually in today. That didn't make any sense, did it? But anyway, we must be brave enough to become conscious of the reality of today because you can't deal with the issue in front of you until you face the reality that is in front of you. Until you recognize that today is today, the reality of the situation is as it is, then you can't actually receive the salvation, the help, the healing, the deliverance, the wisdom that is required because that only comes when you recognize the moment you're in today. You see, the opposite of living in reality is living in denial. And whilst you're in denial, God can't move because you're not living in the light. You're not living in reality. We talk about denial in the lament course. We're going to start in a couple of weeks. And it's really important we do because most people live in denial to the realities around them in one way or another. Often because they think they can't, they can, they can't cope with dealing with the reality. But here's the thing. If you don't deal with the reality, the reality deals with you. In fact, it already is dealing with you. It is affecting you. If you don't deal with the reality, the reality is dealing with you. Because it's no matter what spin or fantasy you want to believe the truth is, you are living in that reality. You see, here's the thing about denial. Until you accept reality, you can't receive help. If you go to the doctor with a broken leg and go, I'm fine, doctor, he goes, well, you're clearly not, but until you admit you've got a broken leg, I can't help you. That's just the reality of it. And so you've got to actually feel, so, so whatever reality means for you right now, there has to be a moment where you actually face it and come up to it. And I recognize it's a scary thing because we don't want to. Because sometimes the reason we've not faced it is because we don't think we can cope with it. But listen, in the not facing it, Jesus can't do anything with it. Because salvation is in today. He only operates in the light. The first uh, step towards any healing is to admit you've been wounded. And that the wound hurts. It's to admit that this is hard right now. It's to admit that this is difficult. It's to admit that this is challenging. You know, one of the, one of the worst teachings, I think, not the worst, one of the worst teachings of the church in recent years has been that you should just put a smiley face on and say God loves you. What a horrific, psychologically damaging teaching. 
horrendous. Well, Jesus is with me, so it's all going to be all right. Well, it'll probably be pretty rubbish at times, actually, but he will be with you, and he will help you through it, and it'll be way better with him. But let's not pretend. Because we live in a culture of denial, as we're seeing on the news. And are rarely encouraged to speak of reality or our pain and heartache. We don't have many people who... Yeah, let's not go there. But if we don't, it sits inside us and eats us up. And sometimes, sometimes it's much easier to complain and moan about it than it is to accept it, suck it up and get on with it. But in this thing called life and with Jesus and the kingdom, that is the reality of it. Because here's the thing. Well, let me say this first. When I say reality, I also don't mean reality from your narrow perspective. I mean the reality. Because you have a perspective of your reality. But actually, one of the best things you can do is get a different perspective of your reality. So that's why it's good to talk to people. People who have gone before. People who know have been through what you've been through. People who can see it. People who can share it. People who can tell you the other side. Because often when you're in the middle of it, it feels like there is a tunnel with no light. But you just need somebody to go, ah, but this season will pass. Somebody reminds you of the good things. Somebody reminds you of the reality. Somebody who's able to just say to you, yeah, it's really tough, but hey, there's a different story coming. There's a different narrative that's available. There's a different view to look at. There's a different way to see it. This, of course, is the beauty and delight of discipleship. It's about asking, speaking, and listening so we can see it from a different angle that helps bring us to a place of actual reality and understanding what we are seeing. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be anxious of those who do wrong. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. You see, another version translates those words safe pasture as enjoy its food. Here's the thing. There are good things to eat in your reality right now. There is goodness in your reality right now. But all the while that you are pretending it's not a reality, you can't see the food. So there's nothing good in it. But in every season, there are good, wonderful, and beautiful things. In every season, there are good, beautiful, and wonderful things. But if you're not living in reality, you can't see the reality of the food on the table. So you miss it. Most of the time, we've been so obsessed with not being in the place we're in, obsessed with wishing for a different place, that we miss the incredible food that's available right now. But whatever your situation, there is beautiful food available, as it were, beautiful good things from Jesus and for you in the reality of your situation. But you won't be able to see it until you come to dwell in the reality of the situation. Do not fret because of those who are evil. I'll be envious of those who do wrong. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. And I just want to finish with this. That song we sung earlier on, we lay down our lives. Because the reason you lay down your life is not just so you can lay it down, it's so that it can be raised back up again. The reason you lay it down is so it can be restored and resurrected. The reason you die is so you can come back to life. It's not just about, oh, I've got to give all this stuff up. No, no, I love giving up my life because then I get something back. It's a really positive thing. 
I love taking things out of my hands and giving them to Jesus because then it frees them up to receive something new and something fresh. Otherwise, they're just loaded and burdened down with all the things that I'm carrying. But the moment I give it over to him, okay, well, now I've got free hands. Now we can put some in it. We put things down to free up our hands to receive something better. It's not a case of you giving it all up. It's a case of you receiving an exchange. So you can actually get something better. Okay, this is what I'd like to do. Um, can you guys just come? And I meant to tell you this before I started talking. But just find a way of changing that chorus. So it's like we lay it down. So I don't know. The spirit-filled people, they'll pick it up. No pressure, though. Just put the words up, Matt. Yeah, well, what's the problem? Rewrite the song in three seconds. I don't understand, Mike. So hard. <laughs> Lift my hands up so you lay my life down so you raise it up, raise it up. I lay my life down so you raise it up, raise it up. It's not hard. incredibly beautiful about facing reality you remember when Jesus came to Lazarus's tomb in order, Lazarus was dead and he'd been late and all life you know the story and um, Jesus turned up a few days later and Jesus Lazarus has been in the tomb four days but in order for Lazarus to come out they have to roll back the stone and Mary goes or Martha goes well it's gonna smell and Jesus goes yeah in other words, you're going to have to face some reality of death to see life. So if you don't want the smell, that's fine, but he's going to stay in the tomb. If you don't want to look on a dead body, he can't come back. That's the reality of it. And of course, it, it takes a bit of bravery and boldness and courage to face reality. But actually, as I've said, it's already facing you anywhere. It's already there. So I just... I just want you, wherever you are right now, whether you're, you're online or watching it later or in the building, I think there's some things, and it might just be as simple as where, where life's at for you. It might not be this big deal. It might be just where life's at in your family situation. And you're just going, okay, this, this is what it means. But when you do that, you can find him in it in whole new ways. Okay, these guys are going to play this new song we just wrote. Oh, look, there we go. Can we just have a copyright Adam Carver on the bottom, please? We'll get a CCLI number for it and everything. Um, no, but in truth, let's, let's just sing this. And I, I just, I really feel like there's a, there's a new moment for some of you. As you just kind of go, okay, no, this is reality. But there's a new moment for Jesus to come into that reality. That's the beautiful thing about it. Okay, so I, I, whatever you are, whatever that means for you, and it's probably just as simple as going, all right, Lord, I'm, 
this is it, and you've got to name it. You don't have to say it out loud, but just in your head, name it. Just go, this is the reality, Lord. I'm, I'm willing to look at it. I'm looking at it. And then invite him into it. Because as you do that, he's there already. Amen. Okay, let's sing.